And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is Pastor Jeff Sanders. He's a familiar voice to you, perhaps, because you'll hear him each Saturday at 11 o'clock on the public square. Pastor Jeff, it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me on, Dan. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And um, today what we want to talk about is uh, almost like a State of the Union. Uh, We're not presidential, certainly. And uh, lately during the State of the Unions, I'm not sure I even listen because I'm suspect of uh, some of the information that that we we hear. So, Pastor Jeff, um, first of all, you are a pastor of a church in Canton, Ohio. Yes. And um, it might be interesting how... How was it that the Lord called you to himself and put you as a pastor? Well, thank you for asking. Um, I did not grow up in a uh, Christian home. Uh, I grew up in Savannah, Georgia. I'm a Southerner. That explains why I talk funny. <laughs> and, I, and I say y'all, and I do, uh, I do eat grits. I don't chew tobacco, though, okay? And, I, and I'm not barefoot. I do wear shoes. <laughs> uh, just so everybody knows that. But no, I, I, I was born in North Carolina, and I grew up in Savannah, and so everybody in Savannah is either Catholic, or they are Southern Baptist, or they are Methodist or Presbyterian. That's pretty much it, or Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a large uh, Jewish community there as well. And our family didn't fit into anything. We were nominally Southern Baptist, but uh, we stopped going to church when I was about eight. I didn't like church. I didn't like it at all, um, because uh, nobody spoke to what my questions were. I was six, seven years old, eight years old. I had a lot of questions. Nobody wanted to answer them. And so I was turned off. Uh, A little bit later, I actually became an atheist. My oldest sister, who is still an atheist, uh, convinced me that there was no God. And so I said, yeah, you know, I don't see him, and uh, I don't see any evidence. So I'm I don't believe. I don't believe at all. And I went to school with kids who were uh, Protestant, Catholic, and Jewish, and I used to love to frighten them. I would tell them that, you know, the Bible was written by a bunch of old guys stoned on pot. (laughs) And (laughs) I'd freak them out. And they would stand back thinking that lightning was going to hit me, and they didn't want to get caught in the fallout. But uh, later, some some bad things happened. You know, my my father, whom I dearly love, now he's, he's gone now, and so is my mother. My father was uh, an alcoholic, and uh, there was a, a lot of bad things happening in a home where there's alcoholism. I know a lot about alcoholism. And eventually he left us when I was 13, and uh, it was about that time I, I started just picking up a Bible. I had read a chapter from Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell on the evidence for the resurrection. I thought, wow, the Bible, you know, maybe there's evidence? You know, maybe uh, these people aren't as stupid as I thought they were, you know? So I started reading the Bible, and um, my mother and I, we were sitting there alone one, one night. We were watching Billy Graham on TV, and I don't remember anything else he said except for at the very end in that beautiful North Carolina accent of his, he said, and go to church next Sunday. <laughs> and so Mom and I said, uh, well, let's, let's go. And I said, where are we going to go? And she said, well, I'm Southern Baptist, so we're going to go to the Southern Baptist Church. (laughs) She was from Mississippi, and she had that thick accent. All right, Mama, let's go. So we went, and uh, I was about 13. And just over a long period of time, Dan, the Lord just kept drip by drip by drip working on my heart and convicting me that even though I had become religious 
now, I still was not a Christian. There was a huge difference. Yes. And finally, on June 7th, 1981, I know not everybody can remember the exact day or where they were or anything like that, but I remember that day I realized I was the lost sinner that Jesus died for. Mm. I am, I, he died for me. I am going to hell. I am not a Christian. And I called upon Christ to be my Savior. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, and, and he saved me, and, and I've, uh, I'm, you know, I haven't, no one's a sinless Christian. Uh, I'm a pretty sorry Christian at times. I've never been sorry I became one. No. <laughs> and I was in college, and uh, I was earning a degree in history, and then little bit by little bit, uh, he was uh, directing me to go into the ministry. I loved preaching. I loved teaching. I loved sharing my faith. And I said, maybe I can do this full time. (laughs) I'm good all the time. I was going to be a history teacher. And God just slowly but surely moved me from being a history teacher in a high school or college to being a pastor. And I'm still a history teacher. It's still a love of mine. It's just with a little bit different twist, I think. And so uh, then I went off to seminary and. The rest is, I got married, and we have four kids, and the rest is history. Oh, it's beautiful. And uh, regarding history, it, you break it down, it's like his story, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. You, when you study, uh, especially church history, you see 20 centuries of the power of Christ. Sometimes you see uh, the church not doing so well. Sometimes the church seems to be very hidden and, and discouraged and down. But always there's that remnant of believers, whether it's in an institutional church or the underground church or whatever, um, there's always that remnant. Uh, God's sovereignty is always assuring us of that. And that's why, Dan, I don't have to be down in the dumps today. (laughs) Well, Jeff, what I want us to talk about is um, the State of the Union. Um, You as a pastor, you see... um, you see certain things in our nation that are probably very troubling um, for the sake of the spiritual well-being of our nation. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you can share a, a couple of thoughts, things that really rise to the surface that are destroying us from within. Oh, my goodness. Well, there, there are a lot of symptoms that we see, uh, <clears throat> but they're not but, but we have to go beyond or beneath the symptoms to find out what the root cause is. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can look at so-called gay marriage and see that's a symptom of cultural rot going on in our country today and how the U.S. Supreme Court is basically lawless. We can look at Congress, which is powerless. We can look at the presidency, which has been lawless for a long time, actually, and uh, not just with the current administration, but several presidents for many, many years have, have been doing lawless deeds. And uh, we can look at all these, and, and, and abortion, and so many other cultural ills that are going on in our country uh, that are very disturbing and, and bothering. But you know what? Let's scratch beneath the surface here. What is causing all of this? Um, am I going to point my finger at the ACLU and say, oh, those are bad guys? Well, no, I'm not. Am I going to point the finger at um, this radical group or that? No. I'm going to point the finger at myself. Mm. Dan, what have we Christians been doing for the past 30, 40, 50 years? Now, I'm only 53, so I, you know, I, I can only go back with my Christian experience maybe 35 years, and that's about it. But, you know, the Church has surrendered, really. 
we have gotten, and, and I'm not going to bash this, you know, I'm, I'm just saying here's my valuation. We have gotten so uh, lazy in a way, intellectually lazy. We have gotten so accommodated and accustomed and comfortable in our Christianity that many of us should not call ourselves Christians. We should call ourselves Christians. Hmm. We're squishy. We're squishy Christians. Yeah. And uh, we say, oh, you know, I'm too busy to fight that battle. I'm too busy to take care of this problem. I'm too busy to deal with this. Uh, <clears throat> and so we retreat, we retreat, we retreat, instead of being involved and saying, you know, there are solutions to these problems. The Christians should be at the table of public policy. Dan, I've got uh, some friends of mine on Facebook who are not Christians. I've got lots of friends who are not Christians, and they, they tell me, just leave your Bible at home. Well, where do they get this idea that I should just leave my Bible at home? And I tell them, ah, I see. So the Muslim and the communist and uh, the cultists and uh, the feminists and all these other groups that I strongly disagree with, they are welcome to the table of public policy, but I am not. Mm. And they say, yeah, that's right. And I say, well, what if, what if I have some good ideas? Well, just leave your Bible at the table. And why do they get this impression? Why do they get this idea? Dan, I think some of it, not all, but some of it is because we have, we have given them a bad impression of Christianity. We have used vulgar terms for people who don't see things the way we do. We have been legalistic. Uh, we have been, in some cases, uh, arrogant and thinking that we are better than other people. Now, now that I've said all that, and people are going, man, Jeff, you're just beating us up. No, I'm, I'm including myself in this, mm. okay? What am I praying for? I'm not praying for a revolution, okay? I'm not. Now, I'm not a pacifist either, but I'm not praying for revolution. I'm sure. praying for revival. Amen. I'm praying for Christians to say, you know what? We really have surrendered a lot of ground, and the enemy is only going to take the ground that we surrender. So, uh, you know, let's pray, and let's talk about holiness, and let's talk about commitment, and let's talk about what real love is. Real love is sacrifice, and let's get on offense. I'm tired of playing defense, Dan. Mm, so true. Uh, Jeff, uh, you remind me of um, what our Lord said uh, concerning the law that it, it really boils down to love for God and love for neighbor. It is. And, and so we, um, we want to honor God by obeying, let's say, the, boil it down to the Ten Commandments and, and, you know, having no other God before him, not taking his name in vain. Right. And loving our neighbor. That seems like um, a really helpful guideline as we, as we move ahead in our culture. Yeah, how do you love your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor by retreating from society and living in some kind of uh, walled-off fortress and just read your Bible and pray and maybe hand out a few gospel tracts now and then? Now, that may sound like a straw man argument to some people, but I know of Christians who want to retreat from the world, and, and, and they, there are days when I want to also. I, look, I'm, I'm there with you, but we cannot. Mm. How do I love my neighbor? I must get involved. So... In our church, we are involved in feeding the homeless at a, at a rescue mission in downtown Canton. How are we involved? And I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm saying this is what we do. And we're a small church, Dan. We're, we're under 100 people. Mm. I don't pastor a mega church. I pastor a little church that's on a street corner somewhere. And so we get involved in a teen ministry in downtown Canton that ministers to teens who are involved in gangs. 
we get involved uh, with Samaritan's Person, helping people overseas. We help people here in our own community, getting involved in their lives. And then I'm also the executive director of, of a uh, federal PAC. It's called Free Agents PAC. Well, Christians should not be involved in politics. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Well, why not? The world is. <laughs> well, Christians, well, well, politics are dirty. I wonder why they're dirty. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have more people in government, then, who believe you shall not have any other gods before Jehovah, who mm-hmm. believe that you should not tell lies? Wouldn't that be refreshing to have people who believe that? You should not steal and actually live by it? Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, yeah. So... As a federal PAC director, what I do is I try to find candidates across the country who, and we are nonpartisan, by the way, we are not Republican, we are not Democrat. We try to find candidates who are pro life and believe in crazy stuff like limited government, who believe in the Constitution, who believe in the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Tenth Amendment. And we help these people run for office, whether it's at the local, state, or federal level. Now, from the pulpit, I cannot endorse a candidate. Mm-mm. Okay, I cannot do that, and I do not do that. So all you IRS people out there, just let you know, I, I abide by the law. <laughs> However, I can, and we can, and we should endorse uh, issues. So I can tell my congregation, hey, vote for issue one, vote against issue four, if that's on the ballot in, in Ohio. And I also try to educate my congregation in a biblical worldview. How would God see this situation that's in the news today? How would God, what would Jesus want us to do in the situation with, I don't know, gay marriage or ISIS or $18 trillion debt? Does the Bible have anything to say about stuff like that? Yeah, I think it does. Mm. So we try to educate people in the Christian worldview. You know, I've got people in my congregation who are down also, and I'm sure that there are People listening right now are saying, man, I've been so discouraged the past several weeks. Nothing seems to ever get better, whatever, whatever. I told my music director, I said, make sure you play. we play really perky music this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so we played A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Amen. Now, you read, I tell you what, you read those words again, and you remember your history. See, history is such a great teacher. You read your history of who wrote those words to A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Martin Luther. Now, was the world on his side at the time, or the world against him, Dan? Yeah, totally against him. Yeah, and everybody wanted to hang him, right, or burn <laughs> him at the stake. And so, but he wrote those words because he knew from the Bible that though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us, right? Mm, amen. His kingdom is forever, right? That's how that song ends, right? So, man, we were raising the roof on Sunday morning. <laughs> and I told him the story of Martin Luther all over again. And, and we could tell the story of, you know, Corey Tinboom or, or uh, Samuel Zwamer, or we could tell the story of uh, Amy Carmichael or any of the greats from Christian history. God's still here. Yeah. The sun rose this morning. You know, you know, Dan, the New Testament was not written in a time when everything was hunky-dory. The New Testament was written by people who were being beaten with rods. Paul says, three times I was beaten with rods. Mm. People who were being run out of town, people who were being invited to a rock concert, right? Okay, they were being hit with bricks, right? <laughs> and yet the New Testament was, was written, 
And not once does the Apostle Paul or Peter or John or James, not once do any of those guys tell us, hey, be depressed, stay there. Yeah. You know, look down, be defeated, drag your lower lip on the ground. They were always pointing us up. Yeah, good point. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Okay, that's all bad, right? Got suffering. And is set down at the right hand of the front of God. Mm, amen. Then there's the glory. Now, Jeff, as we go forward, um, this is great uh, encouragement not to be discouraged because we have a King Jesus who's above all. Amen. What about uh, just human fear? Maybe some of us we're timid, uh, we're 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 shy. Um, mm-hmm. Can you can you help those who? Give in to human fear in our current society. Well, I'm there with you uh, because I'm, you know, I'm just a little bitty guy, um, and you know, big muscle people intimidate me. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to saturate your mind in the Word of God. The Apostle Paul, and I usually put this at the end of a letter that I write to people or a card or something. First Corinthians sixteen, verses thirteen and fourteen. Now, I don't have my Bible in front of me, but Paul says several things to people who are being hammered and are fearful. He says, watch. He says, stand fast. He says, be brave. Be strong. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let everything you do, do it in love. Mm. You know, we can't be like the Westboro cult, okay, yelling and screaming at people. I don't even call them Westboro Baptist Church. They're a Westboro cult. Yes. Yelling and screaming at people and calling them vulgar names and so forth. No, we can't be like that. That's what the world thinks about us. It takes, we got to stand for truth, but we tell the truth in love. What's the most loving way we can say something? And when I stand for truth, it takes tact to make contact. So when I'm talking to a homosexual, I'm talking to a Marxist, I'm talking to a Muslim, I'm talking to somebody who doesn't see things the way I see them. I love them first. Mm. And by the Spirit of God, I'm going to ask, Lord, please let the Holy Spirit give me courage and give me tact to say the right words and to love them all the way to the cross. Then yes. anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. You don't have to be Billy Graham to go out and preach to millions. But there's somebody God has placed in your life. He wants you to tactfully and loving them approach them and tell them the truth. Mm. And if they, they blow you off, they blow you off. You can always pray for them. That's right, yeah. And, uh, Jeff, so we should, um, in a graceful way, it seems, we should not be afraid of speaking our mind after it's thought out and thought through carefully mm-hmm. and, and sharing what we believe. If someone asks us about an issue, we shouldn't shy away from it, right? No, absolutely not. Now, there are times people are going to throw you a curveball, and they're going to say, well, what about this or that? And you say, wow, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, Then what you do is you you always be honest. You say, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that. Let me think about it, or let me go find the resources I need, and can I get back with you on that? Mm. Well, you know, nine times out of ten, people are going to say, yeah, sure, go right ahead. So what if they think you're you know, not too smart or not too courageous, whatever. Who cares what they think? Yeah. You know, you just you just say, look, I'm sorry. You know, let me get back with you on that. I've had to do that. I've had to do that umpteen dozen times. Mm-hmm. And I go to my resources. The Internet's a great resource. I Google my question. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, 
find, hey, Redeemer Broadcasting already has the answer to this question. <laughs> yeah. The Aquila Report or Ligonier Ministries or, yeah. or the American Policy Roundtable or, you know, somebody we know, we love, we trust, somebody out there has, has thought through this question before. And if you say, well, I don't have access to the Internet, uh, fine, give me a call. Okay. Yeah. Uh, send me send me an email. My you can find me on the American Policy Roundtable. I have a blog there all the time, and it's uh, you go to aproundtable.org, and I've got a blog right there. There's my my picture, so you can run off that uh, picture of my face and use it to line a cat box or something. <laughs> but uh, I've I've been doing a series of blogs since January. I call it a defense. And it's an answer to a lot of the questions that people ask Christians about the Bible, about the stories of the Bible, and, you know, philosophical questions. And these are questions people in my own congregation ask me. And so I said, well, okay, I'm going to write what I know about this stuff. Mm. So it's out there. But just be honest, and, and don't try to fake it, um, and, if, and, and always say it in love. What's the most loving way I can say this to somebody? Ask questions. That's a great way to answer Jesus did that. He would come back with another question. Yes. And uh, great teachers always do that. Now, don't avoid the answer. Eventually get to the subject, but make them think. Make them work for it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. What What about this? This is off the cuff, but can you think sure. of, um, uh, in your experience, a person besides yourself who, who perhaps in your church or a related uh, Christian venue has uh, come to the Lord and has a has a turnaround and has had a total change. Any any particular story you'd want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I got one. I got one. Uh, I'm not going to give you too many details because I want to protect their uh, right. their innocence. Okay, their their privacy. Uh, in recent very recent history, uh, I know of a Bible study that uh, is conducted in a city park, not in my hometown. Okay. It's conducted in a city park. Talk about going out to where the people are, right? And anybody who wants to be a part of that Bible study in the park, they come along. In that park, in that Bible study, there was, uh, there was a Muslim girl. Uh, some Mormon missionaries showed up and did not disrupt anything. They, they heard the truth, and they were very polite. Fine, they're welcome. Uh, some other people, and then there was a uh, lesbian couple who came and, and were the most consistent, the most loyal people to come to that Bible study. And they had a child. They said, um, I think we're going to get married. And so the Bible study leader said, well, um, would you consider what the Bible has to say about that kind of relationship, about your relationship that you have right now? Yes. Now, both of these women professed faith in Christ, and they said, we, we believe in Jesus Christ, and they, they brought Bibles, and they studied their Bibles, and they said, yes, we will consider what the Bible has to say about homosexuality. And the leaders said, well, if you realize, if you come to the conclusion the Bible is against this kind of lifestyle, what will you do? Not putting any pressure on them. And the two women said, we will, we will break up this relationship. We will not live this way. Lo and behold, Dan, after studying what the Bible has to say, on their own, no pressure from anybody else, on their own, with God the Holy Spirit, they came back and they said, we can't live this way anymore. Mm. We can't live this way anymore. So there are examples out there. Maybe the news isn't picking them up, 
But folks, God is never asleep. He's always at work. Even if when it seems like he is silent, he is here, and he is using you. You say, here I am, I'm so frail, I've surrendered territory, I've made so many mistakes. Yeah, so what? So did Paul. So did Peter. Today's a new day. Just say, God used me today. And God, in his sovereign grace, will use you, my friend. He will use you. And one by one by one by one, we're going to see some changes. Now, folks, there are going to be some changes coming to us that we won't necessarily like, okay? I think we're in for some really rough times. I really do. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. God tells us that. God is still with us, and he is going to use this time for his glory. Mm. He really will. Amen. He really will. He always does. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for these encouraging words. Today we've been talking with Pastor Jeff Sanders from Canton, Ohio, and uh, you probably have heard Jeff before on the public square and we'd encourage you to visit the website, aproundtable.org, where Jeff has a blog there, a defense. And Jeff, also, they can friend you on Facebook, I believe. Yeah, sure. Just If you send me a friend request, uh, let me know that you heard me on Redeemer Broadcasting, okay? Because a lot of times people send me friend requests, I don't know who they are, and I just... You know, I don't confirm that. I just delete it. So let me know. Hey, say, I'm friends with Dan Elmendorf. And I say, oh, any friend of Dan is a friend of mine. Oh, oh my. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Brother Jeff, uh, it's been a joy, and thank you so much for joining us today. You are quite welcome. It's been a pleasure. And dear listener, please check us out on the web. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.